today in space. Today, today in space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Today in Space. It is August 15th, 2016. And uh, just want to check in, see how everybody's doing. I uh, had a very interesting week this week. A uh, lot of stuff to talk about, so we'll get into it. Uh, but to start, did anyone catch the Perseid meteor showers this week? I really hope you did. Uh, I actually ended up missing out on them this week. Uh, Thursday night didn't uh, didn't go uh, didn't have an opening to go see the meteor showers. I was in the city, and on Friday night the weather did not cooperate. You know, typical New England. Uh, laid out on my deck and tried to stay out there long enough to see the clouds part and the skies open, and they didn't. But uh, that's that's what happens. <laughs> uh, we've been lucky enough to have this many uh, clear skies, clear dark skies. So I uh, hope you got to see them. Uh, I heard they were very good this year. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of them uh, throughout the year. So I'll keep you guys posted in case you missed them just like I did. Uh, but the great thing about the Perseids is they're an annual meteor shower. So, uh, you know, we expect them every single year around the same time. So if you did miss them this year, don't worry. Next summer, you will have the same opportunity. And, uh, you know, maybe if, you know, if you're in the New England area, head up north. Head up towards New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont. Get out there where there's less light pollution, you know, and and clearer skies. So, uh, and if you're anywhere else, just find a good dark place with uh, as little light pollution as you can find. And just sit down, lie down, find a nice comfortable spot, and just enjoy it. Soak it in. There's definitely something about uh, sitting down, stargazing, but meteor showers especially. I mean, the rush of of catching one in your eye and and seeing one, you know, as it streaks through the atmosphere, uh, it does something to you, you know. And it's 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 amazing. It's an incredible thing to to watch and kind of I don't know if if to me it helps me feel like it puts things into perspective. Um, just the position you're sitting in. I remember last year sitting down and watching them. And thinking, oh my God! Like, what if one of these things came down? Because <laughs> you, you're so you feel so vulnerable, just lying, looking at the sky, and then sitting there realizing that, oh my God, there's just infinity out there, tons of things that could come in. You know, the possibilities of all those things and just what's out there kind of hit you, and it's a cool thought. <laughs> it, it, gets pretty weird so that's the one thing i really enjoy about it and i really hope everyone has an opportunity to to enjoy you know it's something that light pollution has um has taken away from the modern world you know that sense of every night uh glimpse into what's out there you know we don't have this perspective of what's out there because it seems like this is it this is all we have is the earth. There's nothing else out there. It's definitely what helps fuel the flat earth theory. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I, th- I would I would argue flat earth theory would not be around uh, or would be a, not as obnoxiously strong as it was today if we had an open sky that we could see every day. Uh, just a sense of wonder instead of this weird closed-minded thought that's already happened in history. 
We're just replaying it, rehashing the same old bullshit. So regardless, go out there, enjoy these things. I hope you got to see them. If not, again, there's plenty more. And this time next year, you'll be able to see them again. Now, moving on, uh, as we talked about last show, I had my political debate Friday night with uh, John Doherty and On the Edge. Uh, And it went well. Uh, You know, I I felt like I defended my point uh, extremely well. Um, But, you know, it it also gave me a perspective on why I moved away from politics in the first place. Uh, You know, it's it is a completely different energy, a completely different speed in your mind, like a, like a mind RPM, you know, uh, and more importantly than that, if you really are going to have a debate, you really do need to have every single fact that, and counterfact and counterpoint thought out beforehand. And, and I have a lot more respect for people who do it professionally on a consistent basis, you know, and, and, and to bring it back to Gary Johnson, one of the things that at first, I, I was, you know, I was kind of like, okay, he sounds sometimes like a, a, a bit rehearsed. You know, it sounds like some of the things he says, he said a lot of times. And that's really what I mean by, by rehearsed. It almost seems like he said this many times. But after going through this debate with John, I realized that that's not, that, that's, that's just a, a causal thing. That, he does that because he has to defend his points on a consistent basis. And he needs to say them consistently and and has to have a way of saying them that he can go to and and be successful at because I'll be honest I was not prepared as I should have been for this uh, debate granted I didn't spend as much time uh, I didn't have as much time to prepare as I would have liked but that's not an excuse Uh, that's just the reality and uh, you know if I'm going to do it again I would definitely prepare uh, a lot more facts and spend a lot more time being read up on what's happened uh so that way i can defend them instead of having to think of a way to talk about them uh in a roundabout way which is really not a place you want to find yourself in a debate so uh, that was very interesting uh thank you again john for having me on i appreciate it and uh when we have our space politics episode it's going to be a very different structure altogether uh, and it'll be a lot more like what we have going on here at Today in Space on a regular basis whenever we have people on. It's a long-form conversation. Uh, it's a place to bring facts and opinions and discuss them um, for however long they need to be discussed, uh, you know, and not being restricted to a certain amount of time. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to have a five-hour uh, discussion, but we, we can really have it an open-ended thing. And I, I definitely, when when... My friend John comes on, uh, Music John, um, we will have a, a much more structured uh, conversation uh, about politics, uh, and we'll make sure we both have our facts <laughs> uh, together, so that way we're both uh, making sound points, and we're not giving heavily weighted opinions because uh, that is just in the nature, not in the nature of what a debate is. And it's not in the nature of what I, I want to stand for here at the show. You know, We do keep it kind of open-ended, and we do uh, discuss opinions, but at the end of the day, we're bringing it back to facts. And uh, I think that's a very important thing when you're trying to 
the beta point is to have facts with solid um, backgrounds and sources and, and multiple sources to defend your argument. Um, so look forward to that. And again, thank you for everyone who did go out there and listen. I really do appreciate it. Um, everyone who stayed away, I totally understand. <laughs> uh, now to move on to the next point, um, something that I've been really focusing on, and it's something that I've kind of come to a realization to, you know, we've talked a lot about on the show about going for what you want, doing what you love to do and not settling for anything. And one of the first steps to getting to that point, to getting yourself there is to make sure that you're creating some momentum, you know, giving yourself a list or, or a set of goals to work after, uh, you know, starting small, like on a daily basis, get three things done, write those three things down, three most important things, order them if, if that makes sense for you in, you know, importance and go after them. Make sure you get those three things done. That's, it's a great way to start your momentum for, uh, I would say success and how, however you measure success. And I've been doing that for a while now and I've started to realize I've gotten to the point where I need to go to the next level with it. And that that's what this little conversation is about. It's, it's about going to the next level. You know, when, when you start really committing your time to the thing that you believe in, you really start committing yourself to what you're going to do with your time. There's a whole nother level that you get to when you, when you have your daily things that you then need to switch it to this big picture. Where am I going? What, what big goals am I trying to reach? What, what steps in the process? What steps in my progress am I trying to get to? And that takes a whole nother level of commitment and a whole nother level of determination and courage. You know, I think a lot of it, you know, you could, you could joke and say, you know, it takes balls, it takes cojones, you know, uh, it just takes a, a certain kind of person. And, and, and that, that is true, but it, it's really, it's, it, I, I think it's courage because I, I'll be honest. I mean, it was something I, I had thought of probably about a month ago, it came to mind that, wow, this is what I need to do, but I kind of avoided it. I I'm not going to say I ran away from it, but I definitely kind of pushed to the side thinking, nah, you know what? I, I, there's another way to do this. I can, I can, I can figure out a way around this. And that's just not, I, I, I to, as someone who's gotten around now to that point is there really isn't another way around it. it. You really do have to go to the next level. You have to evolve. And, you know, sometimes you feel like, no, I'm, I'm good where I am. But if you really do want to push yourself and, and do the things that you really, really are passionate about and what you love to do, you will have to push yourself. And it's going to be at times when you think that you're fine or you think that you've, you're, you've reached a certain level or, or you just think this isn't the time. And that is what I would say is probably the struggle and why a lot of people, most people who start out going after what they are passionate about and what they love, uh, 
they fall short is because they reach that point where they realize they have to get to the next level and it either scares them or it's overwhelming or they don't think they're capable of it and know that you are and the only thing getting in your way of doing that is yourself you know and all those examples i gave all those reasons are personal reasons they're not external they're not nobody's getting in your way it's you're the only person who's responsible for your own success no one's going to give it to you and even if they did it's not your success and it's going to be fleeting it's not going to last There'll always be something wrong with it. So if you're someone out there who wants to go after what they're going to go do in life and, and what you're passionate about, know that it's going to be a tough road, but you have all the abilities to do that. And as long as you have the, the will and the courage to push yourself constantly on the edge of unknown and the edge of I'm not comfortable, and the edge of I don't think I'm ready for this, if you do that, then there's nothing that's going to get in your way. If you can keep reminding yourself that, or, or better yet, if you, can, once, if you can start to notice that I remember this feeling, <laughs> I'm getting that feeling again of, oh, damn it. I need, to, I need to step up my game again because I can just feel it. If you can get to that point, then you're way ahead of everybody else because you're so self-aware now that all you need to do is then push yourself. And you're the best person to do that. So just a little, little bit of kick in the butt in case you, uh, you're at that point or, or if you're ever just doubting what you're doing is what you should be doing. Just remember, that's part of it. This is part of getting yourself to that next level. To become the person you're trying to be. You're not going to be handed it. You need to create yourself. So remember, don't settle for anything. Don't settle for anything. Do what you want to do. Do what you believe in. And go for it. And know that you are the only person that can do that. All right. Now, uh, this episode, we're going to talk, we're going to do a 3D printing update. We are going to talk about Kate Rubens on the ISS. We're going to update you on what she's been up to and the exciting science that she's been doing. And I've got a pretty interesting conceptual idea for you guys at the end of the episode. So let's start with the 3D printing update. And get this show rolling. Okay, on this week's 3D printing update, uh, it's more of a uh, 3D printing... Uh, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, 3D printing in life update. Um, you know, 3D printing, well, we've got a few projects we've been going on here, uh, but nothing really uh, to talk about yet, because they're not done. But... This week, I was able to go to a GrabCAD community meetup, which GrabCAD, uh, if anyone who's not aware, if you're an engineer, you've probably come across it, especially if you're in college. Uh, GrabCAD is a wonderful online resource where people upload their own 
uh, 3D models, and it's kind of kind of like an open source. I don't want to, you know, misrepresent what they're doing, but it was the place to go in college as an engineer to find 3D models because, you know, when I was in school from 2008 to 2015. Uh, especially in 2008 to 2010, there really wasn't that many resources online. You know, 3D models were something you had to create yourself um, or they were something you had to pay a lot of money uh, to get access to. So uh, when, you know, you heard about GrabCAD, GrabCAD was fantastic because people were putting up these insanely uh, complicated models online and, 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 and extremely rendered models that were uh, extremely detailed. Like, I remember seeing complete Ferraris on there, and I think once I saw an entire, um, uh, just a, an entire airliner, like a, like a B-57, you know, like it was, it was just a, uh, a crazy source for things that anything, even gears and, and just anything you could think of that someone might have put up there, GrabCab was the place to go. And so, you know, I've been trying to get a little bit more into the 3D printing industry. You know, we are an official company now with AG 3D Printing. And, uh, you know, I found this invite, came across it online uh, as a 3D printing for professional users, a tips and tricks session. So uh, it's in uh, the GrabCAD Boston HQ. And so, you know, I signed up for it. And I was like, hey, why? Let's go for it. You know, get out of my comfort zone. Let's, you know... You know, could you argue, oh, am I really a professional? Well, you know, yeah, you know what? I am now. This is official. We're doing this, and I'm a professional now. Let's go. You know, regardless of, you know, I think what a lot of people sometimes think is, oh, I I don't know enough to go to something like this, or, or you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a professional. You know, I just do it for fun. That, that's not a good enough reason. That's just an excuse to get out of doing something that you're uncomfortable with. You know, and I say that as someone who's done that <laughs> plenty of times, um, you know, and, and what this was, what this meetup was, was essentially like like a 3D printing conference where, you know, people presented, uh, people who were in the industry, uh, presented topics and, and were showing the different things they've worked on and, and different concepts to think about. But it was also kind of like a town hall meeting. You know, it was uh, it was something that I was really excited to to be a part of and to sit there and watch unfold. You know, uh, and it's it's a brand new thing. They just started not that long ago. I think this might have been the second session, and I met some incredibly incredibly interesting people while I was there. You know, uh, uh, I don't want to go too much into it. I don't know if they they would want me to share uh, who they are, but. Um, met some incredible people who have been involved one one person one man was involved in 3d printing since 1997 you know uh, another guy was i believe from from london and you know he's moved over here because it's a better market over here or he was in the area i don't quite remember uh it was a really interesting mix it was a mix of you know older Older engineers, scientists, machinists, operators, business owners who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and a really young crowd, you know, uh, you know, a few college kids, uh, people my age, you know, in their mid-20s, and, 
you know, that was kind of the range. It was a very, very interesting dynamic. You don't really see those kind of people coming together on things. And what was really, really interesting about it is that GrabCAD, this, this company GrabCAD has done something that's very, very admirable for what you've seen in the past with different industries. You know, um, one thing that a that, uh, few industries that have been around for a while and have some pretty big players is, and you see it in the space industry. I think it's, it's a perfect example. You know, everything before this was very secretive, was very, um, you know, closed off. You know, people were not sharing information on what they were doing. But 3D printing, the industry is so young and it's so primed for growth and there's so many people who have a wealth of knowledge to share. And the incredible thing is that in, in our industry, we're not really stepping on anyone's toes by sharing what we do and our techniques. If anything, we're just, we're, infor- we're reinforcing the industry and the people who are in it. We're teaching, we're sharing our own ideas. And that was the wonderful thing, especially in the last presentation where we were talking about lattice structures and and all the crazy real-life physical attributes that 3D-printed modeling and materials and, and using, manipulating these lattices to give different strength and flex and structural properties at different locations and basically being able to... to at, at the tiniest, most microstructural level, influence at, the, at specific points what you want your piece, your, your product, your part to do. You know, um, strengthening it in certain parts because that's where it needs to be strengthened and, and, and having it having less material and, you know, and, and, and focusing where it needs strength, um, or, or having a part with varying densities inside of it, you know, for, for whatever reasons, whether it's an aesthetic artistic reason or because that's just, uh, what's needed for the project. And it was, it was really, really cool to watch the entire room, jump in and share ideas and people being just so great to each other and and to the cause really I mean that's it wasn't so much that we were all like kumbaya you know in the room holding hands like this is amazing It, it wasn't that it was it was every person's mind was in the same place for the sake of what we were doing in that engineering sense. We were all putting our minds to something. No one was whole, you know, it, it was just, let's share what we're thinking. Let's have a conversation about it. And it, it was truly, truly exciting. It really was. Um, you know, and, and even more, I mean, I just love conferences like that. I, I love conferences in general. I've been lucky enough in my career, as young as I am, to have been brought to different conferences. I went to one in Long Beach. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Sampy's Society. Of, oh my God, I got to look this up because as I'm sure you know now, um, 
I need to look these things up or I sound silly. So, SAMPE is, so it's S-A-M-P-E, Society for the Advancement of Material and Processing Engineering, uh, and Process Engineering. So that's everything from composites to plastics to metals to um, any material or process of that material and, and just advancing that. And there was some really, really just incredible things that were being shared at that conference and, and just meeting the people that go to those kinds of things. You know, those kind of places are where you meet people you will see in your career later on. It's, it's, it's marketing. It's, it's, it's putting yourself out there and meeting other people who are doing the same thing who are just as passionate as you are about what you're doing. And that's what this was. It was an amazing opportunity to meet people who are doing the same thing that I'm doing. And we could share in that. And, and I had a fantastic time. Met someone I knew in college who works there. Um, it, was, it was incredible to see him there. Um, I met someone else who went to my college uh, and and just met some other really, really fascinating people that I hope to see the, the, at the next one. So... I think what GrabCat is doing is an incredibly important thing to science, to the people in 3D printing, to help them advance themselves to the next level and and really push this industry to where it's primed to do, which is change the world. I mean, this that's change change how we do things. You know, what what I what I witnessed, <laughs> what I saw at this was was a bunch of people getting together and working towards a common goal, which is getting better. Learning more. Getting better at your craft and, and fine-tuning it and learning new things. So uh, I thought it was incredible. It was amazing. Uh, I got caught in the rain as I was going there because, of course, it's in Cambridge. And, you know, number one, parking, forget it. It's a nightmare. So I actually, like reserved a parking spot ahead of time as I was driving there from work and had had probably it would have been like a 15 minute walk but I got caught in torrential downpour and so I've got my laptop I've got all you know I've got my business cards I've got a notebook I was going to bring with me so I was literally underneath oak trees like trying to like each step trying to to get there without getting completely soaked and I was I mean when I walked into the the meetup i mean i was soaked i was like throwing my hair back like kind of squeezing it to get water out my shirt was still wet at the end of the conference like the meetup it was just it was just at that point where it was like wow okay this is this is how today is going to be <laughs> i wasn't even upset it was just like wow i really should have thought this one through <laughs> uh ended up calling uh a lift so i can get a ride and of course as soon as the the guy came the rain stopped, but I wasn't going to take the chance. I was already pretty soaked. Um, but uh, it was, that was an interesting, interesting Thursday night. So uh, that will probably do it for this week's 3D printing update. Brought to you by AG3D Printing. Again, if you have an idea, if you have uh, a gift you want to give somebody, if you have a school project coming up, you know, school is starting soon. If, 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 you, if you're a college kid, if you're an engineering student and you've got 
a product that you're finally working on your capstone project. You're, or maybe you've got a class where you really just want to kick ass, a project that you just really want to put forth a huge effort. Or you've got a project you're working on yourself and you need to prototype it. You need to get yourself the confidence that what you're designing works. You know, uh, you know, and if you want to sell an idea, you, you're not going to wait until somebody's going to fund you the money to to buy a mold or or buy a, 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 a hundreds of thousands of parts so that you can test out your product. No. And, and number one, getting that offer is very hard to do if you don't have a prototype. So one of the great things is that's why you got us. We're a 3D printing service for you. We've got 3D printers here. We can print in ABS, PLA, and we can print in any exotic material that our printers can handle. You just got to let us know what we're doing, and we'll do the R&D, and we'll figure out how to make it work for you guys. You know, we're constantly improving over here. We're trying to make as many available materials and options for you so that if, if for whatever kind of product you have, you'll be able to make it work. And we'll be able to get you there. And we don't just do 3D printing, you know. Um, I'm an engineer. I've been in plastics. I, I, I know the ins and outs of, of designing and prints. I can design for you, too, if, if that's what you need. You know, I, I have the, that kind of capability and those skills. So I can help you bring an idea into reality. And it, it can be in weeks, which in all other human endeavors, even in the modern era, took t- months Years was the normal. Years. But now you can go from idea to reality in your own hands in weeks. So if you have a great idea, a product you want to work on, a school project that you want to kick butt on and get the best grade and recognition possible, or if I didn't already say, a gift for a friend, Actually, we've actually had a whole bunch of orders recently for a bunch of Pokemon because all the Pokemon Go craze that's going on. Uh, people want Pokemon they can hold in their hands. I mean, why not? This is the 21st century. Fucking, if you want to hold a Bulbasaur in your hand, let's print you a Bulbasaur. You know, and we can do it the color of the plastic or, you know, I am an artist. I could paint it for you too and make sure that the colors are exactly what you're looking for. So whatever it is you're looking for, that's the great thing about 3D printing. All you got to do is ask. And I will let you know if it's possible, and we will make it work. So AG3D printing, bring the 21st century into your own hands, literally. Come check us out and get rolling with it, okay? AG3D-printing.com. Check us out. And that's it for this week's 3D printing update. In orbital news this week, we're going to cover the updates for Kate Rubin's time in space. Because Kate Rubin's, if you didn't know, is a scientific badass and will be on her stint up in space, among all the other things which we'll get into this week. She's going to be one of the first people to sequence DNA in motherfucking space, man. How badass is that? All right. And it's not just this that she's been badass. I mean, she's been working on helping find cures for uh, crazy, crazy diseases like Ebola and, and, and things like that. So she's just a badass in general. So let's start talking about the badass stuff she's doing 
off the planet now. So uh, this week, uh, Kate Rubens has been uh, preparing for an EVA on extra... Oh, boy. Here we go once again. Uh, Alex has to figure out what something stands for because he knew it once. He knew it once, and that was good enough for him that one time. He kind of understood what he was saying, but uh, then just forgot the term altogether. Okay, here's the definition. Extravehicular activity. That's what I thought it was, but the word was not coming out of my mouth. Which is any activity done by an astronaut or cosmonaut outside a spacecraft beyond the Earth's appreciable atmosphere, which the International Space Station is. So... On this EVA, she will be with Jeff Williams, and she will be uh, helping install the the uh, commercial crew adapter, which was launched up there with uh, CRS-9 by SpaceX, which the commercial docking adapter is an incredibly important piece to the ISS for the next evolution of where the ISS is going and where uh, American space travel is going, where we're bringing in these new, we talked about them last week, these new commercial craft, this new era of commercial craft, which are um, highly technologically advanced from the ones before. Uh, You know, for instance, uh, they're using entire laser systems to help bring these craft into docking procedure. So that way uh, we can take the human error out of it. And, you know, in order for these craft to dock onto the ISS, uh, they need a completely new adapter. So the adapter came on CRS-9. It's in the Dragon capsule, and it will be grabbed with the Canadarm, too, and installed uh, with the help of Kate Rubens and Jeff Williams on their EVA. So uh, they've been preparing for that this week. Um, if we go to the space station blog, uh, and we quote directly here from the um, the August tenth post, uh, NASA astronauts and Kate and uh, sorry, NASA astronauts Jeff Williams and Kate Rubens are due to work outside the International Space Station on August nineteenth for six and a half hours. The duo tried on the spacesuits today they will be wearing during the spacewalk to complete the installation of the first of two international docking adapters to the Harmony module. Commercial crew vehicles are being developed by Boeing and SpaceX that will dock to the new adapters in the future, as we already know. Um, And uh, that's that's going to be very cool. I believe it is uh, Kate Rubin's first EVA, so that's going to be very cool. Uh, And another interesting thing... Uh, you know, I've watched a few videos now with uh, with Kate Rubens, and it's something you mostly see with uh, female astronauts and, and cosmonauts, but it's it's just because of the long hair. You don't see many males on the ISS with long hair. And it, it's something interesting with long hair in anti-gravity is that it looks like it's just sticking out and just, uh, it kind of looks like a broom, actually. Uh, it's just, you know, because it's it's not flowing, there's no moving air, and it doesn't settle, because obviously there's no gravity, but it, it's a really funny thing to watch. Uh, you know, when, when people, uh, especially when Kate moves her head around, uh, you just kind of see it bob for a minute, and then it just stays. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. Um, definitely, definitely check out. Uh, Kate's a very, 
very easy to listen to uh, when she's talking. So uh, it's definitely a plus for an astronaut up there. Um, and one of the things that uh, you can check a link of in this week that went up online is some of her first uh, exciting research that she's done. And it's this uh, research to observe heart cells with a, a specialized microscope. And the, these heart cells were derived from stem cells that were manufactured from human skin cells. And what she was looking for is the movement of these heart cells as they grow. And it's actually a pretty wild thing to watch. Uh, at first, you kind of think it's not real. Um, you think it's kind of like they manipulated the image. But uh, the more you realize it, you're like, oh, my God. Like, no, these are a culture of cells. And the ones that are grown into these... Um, what what's the actual name they use here? Uh, it is doo -doo 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 -doo. cardiomyocytes, uh, which are heart cells. Um, you watch them like do the the typical heart pump movement. You know, you're just like whoa, and, and that that was kind that was what K. Rubin's response was was just a lot of. Like, whoa, and oh my God, like, how exciting is that? Like, you're doing this research in space, and this, this, you're observing these heart cells that are growing and moving and interacting. That, that's, that is science. That, that, that is the, some of the most exciting stuff you can do, you know? And it's really fun watching her observe this stuff and, and, and kind of living vicariously through her as she's doing all this crazy badass stuff. Um, and, and this, this heart cell study that she's doing, uh, is actually called the effects of microgravity on stem cell derived heart cells. And, uh, the, um, if you go to NASA, um, they actually have these mission studies, these research experiments posted up and we did this for the year in space. So I want to bring it back and kind of give what they said, uh, kind of, I guess a good way to put it is the, the abstract, Right. So this is the science objectives for everyone. So this is from NASA.gov. Spaceflight causes a suite of negative health effects, which become more problematic as crew members stay in orbit for long periods of time. Effects of microgravity on stem cell derived cardiomyocytes, heart cells, studies the human heart, specifically how heart muscle tissue contracts, grows, and changes, gene expression, in microgravity, and how those changes vary between subjects. Understanding how heart muscle cells or cardiomyocytes change in space improves efforts for studying disease, screening drugs, and conducting cell replacement therapy for future space missions. So what I get out of that is that this, this experiment, this study that Kate Rubens is working on, is extremely important for the future of space and, and our missions into space. You know, you have to think a little bit far forward here that, you know, you have to be prepared for every scenario. And on a long-duration mission, there is a chance that someone may damage some heart muscles or, or may come down with something or may need some kind of drug or, you know, hopefully not, but maybe some kind of surgery. But we need to learn how to how to work this stuff how, number one how does the heart work in space how do these cells grow in space how do they contract do they contract differently 
You know, I mean, we already know that the heart uh, loses size while they're in space due to the fact that it's not, doesn't have to pump as hard. But, you know, I would assume the heart is growing cells constantly. Are those cells growing differently and growing to adapt to the lack of gravity? And if they are, how are they? Because if we are going to create, as I say, screening drugs and some kind of cell replacement therapy, we need to know how those cells are interacting and and just the the dynamics of those cells. Do they change? Because that is something we need to know for the future of this kind of stuff. And uh, it, it's an incredible study, and it's so cool to see Kate Rubens doing this kind of stuff. Uh, the research overview, if you go down to the experiment description... Uh, the goals of the effects of microgravity on stem cell-derived heart cells investigation involve increasing the understanding of the effects of microgravity on heart function, the improvement of heart disease modeling capabilities, and the development of appropriate methods for cell therapy for people with heart disease on Earth. And it is hoped that this investigation provides knowledge that may impact disease modeling, drug discovery, and heart cell therapy. So it's not just space travel that we're trying to look at with this study. It is, in fact, bringing it back home. You know, doing research in orbit for Earth. You know, and uh, that's actually what a lot of uh, past missions have done. A lot, You know, there's a lot of space science that has benefited us greatly back on Earth. Uh, there's, there's a great list out there. We'll have to do it in another episode. But, uh, you know, when you really look at the, the things that the space research oh, in orbit research has done for the modern world for humanity it's uh, you know it's when you look at those things it's hard to say you know oh why are we spending this money you know oh you know why are we why are we keep sending people up there other than the fact of that's just silly and uh because we have to it's it's part of the human experience and because it's the adventure and number one, because it's just badass. And if we stop doing badass things, that's it, folks. That's it. <laughs> but Kate Rubens, just all around badass. I wish her luck on her EVA uh, this week, installing the commercial crew adapter. She's in good hands with Jeff Williams, uh, a veteran astronaut up there. And uh, I would like to move on to a continuation, a conceptual idea here. For this new commercial crew craft uh, that, you know, they're going to be installing this commercial uh, adapter. And let's talk a little bit more about these commercial spacecraft and, and kind of what they're bringing to the table. Now, both the SpaceX and the Boeing capsules, uh, both of these spacecrafts are going to have a, a uh, they're going to bring a, a bigger capacity of how much crew we can bring up there. And so what does that mean? What does bringing more crew up to the ISS mean? I mean, number one, it means that the ISS crews will be larger uh, unless for whatever reason the the Soyuz uh, capsule or our Russian uh, cosmonauts stops sending as many. But I would assume the crew gets larger. And that that has a, a lot of effects. That that means the space station will have to adapt for uh, more members. It will have to um, definitely have 
more supplies. That's one more crew member to account for. Um, I know there's a very complex system that actually filters filters air and and really yeah, the whole system so they'll have to account for one more person involved um what else can we think about here you know the other thing definitely is more science is going to be able to be done more science is going to be able to to be conducted in our orbiting space station lab apartment and we'll be able to have them focus more on the science and hopefully I, I would think have a, a maybe a more manageable uh, time up there and use their time maybe more wisely you know I, I don't know enough about it but I, I would think that there is definitely a certain amount of downtime needed while you're up there for just your physical and mental health you know it wouldn't be a lot of time but I'm sure that that would probably make the difference in long-term space living. You know, if, if you're up there longer, we need to be able to test what that schedule is going to be like. And I feel like with a few more people, we'll be able to do that. Where maybe now the necessity is more on getting the science we can get done and getting them in and out. You know, if we can start testing what what does downtime do for an astronaut you know, what does, does that, is that an increase? Is that uh, a decrease in their performance? You know, those kind of things we, we would like to know. Um, and really just, just in general, one more person adds a completely different dynamic to what the ISS is bringing. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what that difference in, in mission platform and mission planning and mission execution is going to do. So, uh, it's definitely something to think about and something to look forward to as we get the first of two commercial adapter uh, adapters uh, hooked up there in the future here. And thanks to Kate Rubens and Jeff Williams, uh, we'll be seeing that on August 19th after their six-and-a-half-hour EVA. So uh, good luck to them this week as they've been testing all their suits and making sure that they're uh, in the right place to... Uh, get ready for this mission. So uh, once again, good luck to them. And that about does it this week, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we're going to be covering more on space. We'll be covering more on 3D printing. And uh, just want to say, as always, spread love, spread science, and do not settle for anything, and keep going towards what you are working for, what you're working towards. Keep doing it, people. Keep your heads up, fight the good fight, have a great week, and we'll see you next time on Today in Space. Peace!